Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome to Hoops Hub, episode two. Gentlemen, it's been a week and we are pumped up. We got hot takes galore. I'm Brian Armetta, joined by Zeke Cohen, Kevin Amoroso. Gentlemen, what a week. A lot to talk about. I feel like we've learned a lot, but I feel like also everything we've learned will be irrelevant in the span of two weeks. Oh, but yeah. I, I feel like this is just an analogy for sports media being oversaturated. Anyways, anyways, we're glad you're here. Um, so a lot to get to. Today's going to be kind of a hot take show. So I don't even know if we necessarily believe all of these to be true. We're going to kind of take it progressively from a little mild, you know. You know, something you'll get at B dubs, eating with the with the with your friends, you know. And then we got we got some scorching takes. We got like you can't your mouth is gonna be burning for days. You know, when you hear these takes, I don't know. Just don't shoot the messengers. Okay. That's my only uh that's my only request. So I'm gonna get started with one of my more mild takes. Um and we'll see how we process that. John Morant and Desmond Bain are the NBA's best scoring duo. This might be too hot for mild. But, um, you know, last night was one of the best games we might get all year. They, the Grizz take down the Nets, 134-124. Uh, normally, on a night where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant both score 37 points, that should be enough for a win. But Bain and Morant both scored 38, led the Grizz to a win, um, John Morant kind of baited uh, Ben Simmons into a foul out, and I'm sure we'll get to Ben at some point. I would be sure next. Um, so, guys, a- am I crazy? Is this like a possibility? Talent-wise, individually, no. Right, but I guess on that team, they have the way they've been performing this year. I can understand where you are coming up with that take. I would say. Um, Listen, anybody like like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it sounds crazy because Lakers are terrible. But you're going to tell me that like individually that John Moran and Desmond Bain are better scorers? Possibly. But I wouldn't make that take yet. I think the case for why they could be is because let's look at the system they're in. I mean, the Grizzlies are fast. They're fun. They're young, exciting. I feel like Bain, in order for the Grizzlies to really solidify their place as a top three team in the West for years to come, Bain has to step up and be that second guy. I just don't buy the fact that it's going to be JJJ anymore. Look, I loved him when he got drafted, but point blank fact of the matter is he's just going to be that defensive glue guy for you who could potentially stretch the floor, but isn't really going to give you enough scoring volume. So if this is going to be the first year the Desmond Bain, John Morant take over the league tour, I'm ready for it. And I can see it happening. My question is, is Desmond's efficiency and volume going to be there to kind of help the Jazz or the Grizzlies get to where they need to be? I'm not sure, but uh, it's going to be damn exciting to watch for sure. Yeah, I I don't necessarily think this is true, just because. And it is funny you brought up the Lakers, Kevin, because that is my next point. I actually think the two the two duos that could challenge the Grizzlies for this title the most are both uh, winless right now. I believe. Um, I don't know if the Sixers got a win yet. Yeah, um, but um, right now, I'd say Harden and Embiid. Okay, the Sixers did get a win yesterday. I must have missed that. They took down the Pacers, so that's really like half a win. But anyways, Harden and Embiid and LeBron and Davis, I still would say I eke them out a little above 
Desmond and um, Ja. I also would throw in Edwards and Cat into that mix. Um, if Kawhi was playing a full slate, and we will get to that later, I could also consider Paul George and Kawhi. Uh, but I think they're right in that conversation. Uh, I really wouldn't be surprised if this is true by the end of the year. I'm not ready to make this a. I'm not ready to lock this in yet. But uh, I, I think it's reasonable. They're both fantastic uh, players, and I also like that they both kind of fill in the gaps in the other. You know, Jaws isn't a fantastic shooter, but he's amazing at driving. Bain, very good spot-up guy, but he's also kind of physical. He can hold his own, so he's not just a shooter. Um, and they're a lot of fun to watch, and the system's clearly catered to their offensive skills. All right, Kevin, uh, what else you got? So here's my first mild take. It's uh, it's really not too nothing too crazy, but um, I think it shouldn't exist because Steven Silas sucks. So my take is that Houston Rockets will continue to play and give minutes as veteran players because Steven Silas has a history of doing so. And I think that with the draft class and, you know, Victor Wembanyama at the top, I think the Rockets might want to lose some games. And um, we'll see guys like Alperin Sengun and Tari Eason, who had very good uh, summer leagues. Well, Tari Eason had a great summer league. And Alperin Sengun, we thought it was going to be, you know, a great fantasy asset this year. He was going about 60th to 70th in the drafts. Um, I think those guys will continue to struggle because of not how they play, but minutes. Yeah, you know, um, Sangoon was even flirting with top 50 uh, in some no. drafts. Um, so definitely not ideal to see Bruno Fernando starting the season. Yeah. Now Fernando just got injured and they're kind of forced to roll a bit more with Sangoon. But you're right. Um, they don't have a lot of incentive to play the kids now does that mean that they'll completely stunt the development of two guys that i think we're all high on you know easton was definitely on my radar i know he was on your radar kevin um but yeah i mean he had a fantastic summer league yeah. but summer league you kind of take with a grain of salt yeah um i don't think it'll stunt the development per se i think they have a lot of time to develop um it's a <laughs> My question is about Tari Eason. My worry about him is like when Jay Sean Tate comes back. I know that sounds a little crazy because Jay Sean Tate is kind of just an average player, but I think Steven Silas is a little crazy and might give Tari Eason a, a little bit of a bench role, a little back end rotation role. That might hurt his development. But right now, no, I think they're they're okay. Fantasy wise, they're just not options. Where Tari Eason isn't an option, and Alperin Sengun, I think, might be a little disappointing. I have a kind of crazy take on this. I actually kind of think it's part of a method of, to his madness. I think that with such a young team, when you're trying to cultivate a, like a culture and something to kind of keep for years to come, I think it's very important to not necessarily just give the entire reins to the youngins. I, I think it's very important that you have to kind of like show a specific attitude and like work ethic necessary to be able to have such a high role in your team. I think that's kind of why, and like, look, with a lot of these Rockets young talent, like they are ready, they can carry the ship. And like, look, you would see a lot of other teams take the opposite perspective and let the young guys just run and see whatever you get at the end of the year. And especially with Victor this year being the coveted prize of the offseason, uh, you'll see a lot more teams doing that. But um, I really do think, at least with the Rockets starting all these bets, that it is just something that's going to stay for the start of the season. I can't really see it lasting going into the next year, but uh, I think I'm just trying to create the conversation here. It could be a part of uh, his method of like bringing the best out of them long-term. Of course. Yeah. I just don't like it for my fantasy prospects because I like Tari Eason. 
So we don't care about real life bats. <laughs> we care about fantasy. What show do you think this is? Um, <laughs> these are both great points. I, I I understand Silas is trying to build a culture, but at the same time, like. I don't know. I just see a lot of stupid coaching decisions around the league. And I know it's easy for the guy at home who doesn't do this, who hasn't picked up a ball really since high school, to criticize. But what are we doing? Tarai Eason's really good. Oh, Sangoon is. is a per-36 monster. I mean, look at someone like Isaiah Hartenstein, who is really good in limited minutes with the Clippers. He's gone to the Knicks. He's looked fantastic. He probably should be starting over decent center in Mitchell Robinson. Anyways kind of losing lost the plot there but i just see these weird coaching decisions with guys who have statistical you know it's not like we live in the 80s anymore we have statistical and eye test knowledge that these guys are good your team gets better plus minus is a flawed stat but it tells a lot to right eason sangoon i want to see more of them now is there a method to madness i'm sure but to be fair the rockets have not looked that good so you know I still like the long-term future of this team. How can you not? There's a lot to love, but it, it, it is interesting to see how these minutes are going to be balanced. I, I just would like to know what Sangoon can do with 30-plus minutes a night, just so we know. You know, if this team's really serious about tanking for Victor, you should also find out how good your current center is, and I'm not sure we're totally getting that right now. Zeke, mild take. Mild take. Kawhi coming off the bench for the start of the year, in my opinion, it's probably best for the Clips long term. It's going to be terrible if you own him in fantasy, though. Look, Kawhi Leonard, he was a top two round player. Anybody would have taken him then. But when you drafted him, did you really think that he would only be getting 21 minutes a game to start the season coming off the bench? Did like, you? You took him in our league. I took him in our league. Yeah, I'm living it. I am suffering through this at the <laughs> That's moment. That's an important side note. The people well, need to know that. In the second round. The day he had his opening game, I, I, I would have up in the morning. I'm thinking, oh, he's going to get 30-plus minutes a night. Amazing. Awesome. Nah. Midday, get the report. Kawhi's coming off the bench the start of the season. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And then he had the back-to-back -back situation. They benched him the second day. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go again. It's the Toronto days all over again. I'm nervous, in my opinion, because they don't need to rush him back. Like, look, the Clippers are the deepest team in the league or the deepest team. Yeah, in the entire league, probably. There is no rush to give your star player 30 minutes a night. Yet, I think within a, a couple months, yeah, we'll see him get a more consistent workload. But don't be surprised if he doesn't play back-to-backs for the entire season. This is a guy who, at this point in his career, coming out of his peak a bit, especially coming off these injuries that he's had, he isn't going to be that guy anymore, unfortunately. And I'm going to have to live through that this entire season now. If he's going to get the consistent enough minutes, yeah, he'll still be that guy. But realistically, the Clippers this year feel like a team that has a roster that's constructed to get it done this year. And in order to do that, they have to make sure that Kawhi's minutes are limited enough to the fact where he will be healthy for an entire playoff run. So I got to hear what you guys think. I just rambled a lot about uh, my fantasy sorrow at the moment. <laughs> I think these hot takes are really elevated when people know that we have skin in the game. And you most certainly have skin in this game. Um, so, yeah, Kawhi's a very interesting case. I think what's worth – I think it's important context-wise to know that his injury happened 16 months ago. And these injuries usually – torn ACL does not usually take 16 months. It, it usually is much quicker recovery. And he – 
and he pretty much is recovered. You know, knock on wood, I pray he doesn't re-injure it, but he's recovered. Yeah. You're playing it safe. And I think part of it is the West sucks. If they're in the East, I think you might actually have to play him like 25 minutes minimum a night. I don't know if they have to do that in the West. The West blows. Um, you know, they, they could cakewalk. I love some of the additions they've made. They have maybe the deepest bench in the game. So the Clippers are in a really good spot that other teams do not have the luxury of doing. You know, I only think teams like Milwaukee or Golden State could even, like, get away with something like this. And even that. So that's worth noting. So is it good for L.A.? Yes. Is it bad for fantasy? Yes. But I also think we're going to have to see – he's going to have to get ramped up. They're not going to do this the whole year. You know, Kawhi – I think we think Kawhi's passive just because he doesn't talk a lot. Like, Kawhi doesn't want to play a full season off the bench. This guy's a superstar. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But it might be another month. Yeah. Um, and just to add, I think the Clippers are a top three uh, championship team or championship odds team with Kawhi fully healthy. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it probably is smart, um, mainly because these games don't really matter. Oh no, we're a fourth seed instead of a two seed because we sat Kawhi. Who cares? Um, they still have great championship odds, as Kevin said. All right, let's uh, let's heat things up a little more, right? Um, let's drop some Tabasco on the tongue, shall we? Pascal Siakam is better than Carl Anthony Towns in real life. In fantasy, I'm locking it in. Yes, I own Siakam. Yes, I told everyone not to draft Cat. Yes, I'm biased. Tell me why I'm wrong or right. I buy it from my opinion. Look, I I love Cat. However, I felt like I've just seen the same thing out of the guy for the past like four seasons now. And I'm just banking on like this one truly breakout year where we get everything we thought he was going to be at coming out of Kentucky. But at the end of the day, like feels like Cat's already been in the league like eight, nine years now. Pretty much has, right? Right, I think. 2012, so, 2015, so. I believe. 2015. Yeah, wait, I'm mixing up with Davis. Duh. Um, yeah, he's close to it. Not there yet, but yeah. Yeah, I just feel like at this point, like Siakam, almost each year he's been in the league, he's been able to expand his game more and more. And this the start of this season, I mean, look, it's only been like four games, but he's looked electric on both ends of the floor. I feel like he has way better two-way potential. I feel like Gobert coming into Minnesota now – it's going to kind of limit Cat's role a bit more because it looks like they're going to start utilizing Rudy in, in both ways. I mean, offense and defense. I mean, he's getting good volume right now, it looks like. So I'm ready to kind of say Siakam brings more to the table than Cat. And also, it also it hurts a bit that Cat also was sick at the beginning of the year. He lost like 30 pounds. He looks a little frail right now at the moment. I know he's still a big body. There's a huge frame to fill in, but... I mean, I think uh, at this point, I'm ready to say that there's more there's more upside with Siakam. Yeah, um, I agree. I wanted to just add, like, I agree with your Rudy Gobert points, just talking about from a roster point. Um, like, where is Carl Anthony Towns' upside on offense, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a scorer? I mean, he's, his usage is only going to be so high. His rebounds are only going to be so high with Rudy Gobert there. And, um, you know, we got another year of Anthony Edwards getting better. We have D'Angelo Russell, who's another option, another scoring option, who's going to take, you know, another high usage role. Um, I just don't – I mean, I love Cat as a player. I think he's a really good offensive center. But, I mean, 
I think his ceiling this year will be providing a value at which you would want at round two and which you would want at round two. I think he he's around there. Um, good, very good, but not a first-round pick. Siakam's better. Love Siakam. Yeah, um, there's a pun we can make for Siakam that we want to. Uh, so the thing I love about Towns, like I do genuinely like Carl Anthony Towns. I don't want to make yeah. it seem like I'm coming after him. He, fantasy-wise, he's uniquely gifted when it comes to giving you value at three-pointers, three-points oh. made, um, compared to other centers you'd slot in there. He's going to give you like over 20 points per game. I have full confidence in that this year. But again... Zeke and I were talking about this the other day. It's kind of like they built their team this year. And I'm not saying it was the wrong move for Minnesota, but they built their team to mask over Cat's weaknesses because they got tired of waiting for him to improve on them. Um, it's like, oh, we always wanted Cat to become this tougher, more traditional center. Uh, well, we just got a really good defensive center to do all those things, all the nitty-gritty stuff, so you can just hang out and shoot. Um, and makes sense roster-wise. Um, doesn't really make sense uh, – first round pick wise asset management wise, but that's another story. But in terms of what the Timberwolves will be this year. Yeah. They don't need towns to get 10 boards a night. I'd be really surprised to see him get more than eight boards a game this year. Call me crazy. Barring or go bear injury. I mean, he's just not going to, and it's not like Rudy is like spacing the floor that much. I mean, he's a good rim runner, but he can't shoot. So the center of the lane is going to be clogged. Um, Cat really doesn't have a role like down low picking up boards. And that was like a big part of his value. He's a double, double machine, not really anymore. So then you look at Siakam and he's coming to the season with the goal of being like a top 10, top five player. Now that's a little too rich for my blood, but Pascal's still fantastic. Uh, what I love is he gives you really good value of stuff like steals. Cause he's such a hybrid kind of player. Cause he doesn't look like a center, but he has center eligibility on those platforms. Um, he can run the floor. He's a good ball handler. It's a triple-double monster. Field goal percentage, the percentage numbers in general aren't going to be as good as Cat, but I think almost everywhere else you're going to get more of an upside. The assists are real. Uh, Nick Nurse plays his starters more than anyone other than maybe Tom Thibodeau, and even then. Um, so you know that he's a lock for like 35-plus minutes a night. So there's a lot to like about Siakam. Uh, hopefully Scotty Barnes' injury isn't too serious because he came out of last night's game. We'll get to that in news and notes. So... Barring anything crazy, I think the situation is better for Siakam. I think that team's dependent on him, and we love our high-usage all-stars. Kevin, another take. Heating it up a little bit, huh? Yeah, we're heating it up. Oh, yeah. Right. My next take is that defensive centers in this league will continue to lose value as they have been um, in fantasy drafts from year to year in fantasy drafts. So there's been this trend uh, in basketball where – Guards are getting more physical. They're getting more athletic, which means they get more rebounds, they get more defensive stats, and they're shooting more and higher usage, everything. So guys like Clint Capella, guys like Mitchell Robinson, who are drafted to be good defensive centers that could get you defensive stats and high rebound guys, they just won't be um, – I don't think they'll be as useful as they have been in the past because I think this year um, guards are – Guards are the way to go for rebounds and then and and uh, defensive stats. So that's my take. I think this is interesting. This is like a bigger like the way the game is changing kind of conversation. Yeah, I I'm not necessarily sure if you could get me to 100% agree on that. I do think that 
you know, a defensive-minded rebounding center still brings some value. It just depends on how much they're going to get utilized during a game. I agree with what you're saying. I mean, like, look at the Grizzlies, for an example. Like, you have guards there who could rebound, who are going to pad you up with defensive stats, but their bigs really aren't going to get as much. So, in my opinion, I mean, like, look at guys like Andre Drummond, for example. They're almost at this point, like, irrelevant. You're just kind of banking on them to get you rebounds, at least if you're going to draft them in a category. So, I... I personally think that there is still some value in these kinds of centers. I think it just depends on how much they're going to get used in a game. Because again, look, like teams want to play faster. And if you're going to have a big guy on the floor who only brings you a very specific type of skill set, you're not really going to want to play them if you're going to have a whole bunch of young guys running the whole game. So, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, isn't that kind of the point? The way centers are being drafted this year, uh, I mean, Mitch Robinson was going top 80 in drafts again. You have guys like Steven Adams. I mean, I don't know. Steven Adams, Clint Capella going top 100. And I'm not saying that these guys are – I mean, obviously, they're not expected to be these great fantasy assets. They're only – should be expected to be, you know, top 60, top 70 players at best. Um, I just think because of that, as you said, limited playing time, I think they uh, – I think they um, – I just don't think they'll they'll be great, that great in fantasy. I, where's the where's the upside there? I, I mean, what's 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 Clint Capella's ceiling? We, we were talking what 10, 10 rebounds a game at best. I mean, he's playing what 24, 25 minutes. He's not getting more minutes on this team. Jonte Murray, they just acquired Jonte Murray. They had Trey Young. They are they're a run and gun team. Um, pace and pace and space. Young young and gun run and gun team. Wow, young run and gun team. Nice oh, no, anyway, um, I oh, just think. Yeah. Clint, like, they're those type of guys just, you know, even in the Knicks, they're running they're running the ball more. Jalen Brunson picks up this offense. And I think uh, Mitchell Robinson is just, what? What's his ceiling? Do you tell me. It's it's top 90. I mean, he's going to get, what, a block and a half a game with the minutes he's going to get? I, I really, yeah. For those reasons, I think these centers are replaceable. Those rebounds are replaceable by these young guards that, can, that are running the floor and are more athletic and can get four or five rebounds a game. And you stack your roster with that to supplement rebounds. And I think you're good. Here's a follow-up question to that. If you are one of those owners at this point in the season and you're kind of on top of this trend and you realize it and see it within your roster, how do you want to move at that point? I mean, are you going to try and like flip these guys, make a case to a buddy of yours? Like, hey, there's some upside here. Like, are you going to try and work the wire at this point? Unless I'm incredibly dependent on blocks. And that is my main point is that I think getting players that can do both, like, oh, this guy gets me blocks steals but he's also a 20 point per game scorer i don't want to roster guys who are only good for blocks like mitch that well, i think i would agree with i want to respond to that um well that's the that's the funny thing about fantasy even though overall sometimes there'll be like i that's my take with some like centers are less valuable um sometimes there are trends in leagues where guys are getting drafted for assists a lot and points are getting drafted a lot and then there's this kind of empty vacuum where you can find value in a rebounds or blocks because guys aren't focusing on the cat those categories as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're in that. I don't think that's the case this year. Personally, I think that assists are scarce enough. I think that blocks, if you can get them with other stuff, like that's why I like somebody like Jabari Smith, he will get me some blocks, but he's also like good enough to get 15 points per game. Yes, I, that's why I like Jabari Smith too, especially for my roster, which is a rebound and blocks build, which is funny that this Shameless is like, plug. Um, 
what, what did I want to say? One more. Uh, shoot, well, I lost it. Anyway. If you want to get back to Zeke. Oh, score. right, no. Assists, sorry. Assists and turnovers um, loosely correlate. That's why I'm not a fan. Sorry. Oh, no. That's usage correlates with turnovers. That uh, That's pretty common. I mean, you know, it depends on how good of a playmaker guy is, but generally usage correlates with turn turnovers. Um, and also usage correlates with assists, you know. Uh, they loosely correlate. There's a loose correlation there. And because of that, a lot of times you'll win assists but lose turnovers, especially if you win big. I don't uh, – we could do this all day. I think we could go back and forth on this. Right, Just for Zeke's question to wrap this up. No, you're good. This was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, i not sure I would panic yet, but I would wait till like, oh, you have Mitch Robinson, you want to deal him? Like, if I'm not – if I feel like I'm middle of the road in blocks, but I have a block specialist or a steel specialist and I'm middle of the road in steals, I would certainly be looking to trade them and slowly some, some areas. Zeke, I'm going to ask you um, next – just go on with your hot take. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, this battle for the starting job at the Detroit Pistons center is going to go to Jalen Duran, and I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. Uh, look, I think Isaiah Stewart still is a pretty good center, right? He, he has that three and D potential that these owners are banking on 100%. It's going to come into fold this year, but... Let's look at his numbers a bit. I mean, he's averaging 11 and 10 right now with two assists a night, but his shooting splits are abysmal. He has been terrible, honestly. And when, and Jalen Duran, like, honestly, he's gotten a pretty decent workload right now. I mean, he's been playing in between like 16 and 21 minutes a night. And uh, in my personal opinion, I think that if you have two really, gifted guards and Ivy and Cunningham. I would rather play a style of basketball where I'm going to have a big guy setting these screens, rolling to the basket. Who's physically bigger than a lot of these guys at the center position. Who's who I think has some really unique uh, athleticism. I feel like Duran is just going to be the guy for them to really help take this team to a playoff spot, maybe play in by the end of the year. Who knows? I, uh, and also, I've read so many good things about this kid's maturity. I mean, it really does seem like he is 100% invested and locked in. And look, we cannot say the same about Isaiah Stewart when he's out bashing LeBron James in the face a couple that years ago. I can't believe that happened. I cannot believe it either. I just feel like Stewart's head really isn't in it, in my opinion. And uh, I would go as far as to say consider dropping him. Maybe. He's shooting I, 320 from the field right now. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. I just – it's so hard. Like, look, last year I, I drafted Stewart, I think, in like my seventh or eighth round. And, like, I was really banking on, like, I guess the breakout. But I just don't think he's going to be that guy. That's just – I don't know how else to say it. I just don't buy it. I tend to agree. Um, Duran's looked really good. Is he going to look that good every night? No. But I, I feel like I know what Isaiah Stewart is. I like that he's shooting more threes, but I also don't like it if he's going to shoot like 20% on five shots from three. Um, I mean, he's a fine backup center. It's clear they're trying to work him into like this power forward 
where they can play him with Duran. But like, just just get a power forward. Yeah, at this point, right? Like, if you're really just forward. Sit around and tinker your roster for an entire season, just screw around with things. I, like, respectfully, Isaiah Stewart isn't good enough to convert into a forward. He's your backup center. And that's yeah. fine. He's a fine backup center. For fantasy purposes, he's relevant still just because he's getting, like, over 20 minutes a night. But it's, like, hanging by a thread. I mean, I won't – in 12 team leagues – in 10 team leagues, he's already a drop. I doubt he was even drafted. Or he might have been, but he's, he's a drop now. Yeah. In 12 team, you could still roster him, give him another week, but I'm not, I'm not that optimistic. Yeah, again, upside. What's the upside there? He's not he's not scoring the ball. He's not going to have high usage. Um, yeah, I drop him. All right, moving on. Uh, this is honestly, I feel like all my takes have been equally sizzling, so I haven't really been adhering to our heat check index. But no matter. Um, Dejounte Murray's a top fifteen player this season. Uh, no, this is the spiciest so far. Yeah, uh, and I am. I, I put my neck on the line a week ago. I'm very fickle. I said DeJounte Murray was someone I would not draft at his current price. Um, I'm still not necessarily against that. But it's it's impossible to deny what he's been doing. Um, currently averaging, like, over three – sorry. Over three, over three steals a game, over eight assists a game, 7.3 rebounds, along with nearly 20 points per game. If these numbers were to hold through a full season, he would be a top 10 player, maybe even top five. Uh, do I think they'll hold through a full season? No, but even with the dip, top 15, like early second round value is basically what I'm asking in a 12-team league. Do we think that's doable? Do we think that's possible? Do we think that should happen? I'm ready to say we were just nervous about how he was going to get integrated into the whole entire team when he went to Atlanta. But to see the fact that like, his scoring stayed about the same. He's rebounding at a good rate. He's passing at a good rate. The steals right now look to be at an all-time high. I, And I could honestly see it staying that way because he's asked to kind of condense his game a bit now to the point where, like, I do think that there is a chance three steals a game might hold up for a season. That actually... It's insane to say, but the three steals... I know, it feels weird coming out, out of my mouth, yeah. but, like... I do see it happening, and I, I do buy the fact that, like, this guy probably is a top 15 player. And if you grabbed him early in your second, I mean, you'll be you'll be pretty happy for the season, in my opinion. Like, this kid I really do think is going to help carry Atlanta to, like, a top four seed East if they stay healthy. If they stay healthy and if they eventually figure out that Clint Capella is just not your starting center of the future. I, I like Okongwu coming off the bench. I'd rather start him. I feel like he's a better fit for them. I feel like he'd help mold. We just that. Yeah, we did talk about that. No, I think. But, um, I love Yucca. I'm 100% with you. Uh, Clint is, I don't want to say washed, but he's not. He, he just run. doesn't – we've tried this for, like, what, four years now with Clint as your starting center? And, like, when we made that move a few years back, we thought, oh, it's a nice little injection into the starting five. Why not? But, like, I've seen it. I feel like they've already hit their ceiling by going to that conference finals round a couple years back. Yeah, I'm ready to kind of switch it up. You know, opinion. one nice thing about the steals is, like, with when he's playing next to the human turn style Trey Young, you know he'll be playing the best offensive player every night. So you know he'll be playing high usage guys with the balls in their hand and the opportunity for steals. I feel like the steals are more 
feel like maintaining that three steals a night is more reasonable than like the board's assists. Am I crazy? Like he's that good no, defender, and he's in the situation for it with the half yeah. fast pace of the Hawks. Completely, one hundred percent agree. A lot of offensive possessions to go yeah. around there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't a fan of Dejounte Murray before the season. I think he's top twenty-five. I think top fifteen is a hot take. I don't think. I think that's his upside. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's going to be an elite fantasy option for the year. He's going to be just as good as he was last, as just as good as he was last year with a little bit of a lower usage. And then that's I'll it. Say, this is I called him a bust a week ago, so I can't completely go back on that. I think he's going to be better than last year, in my opinion. I think again, like what I'm saying. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying stat wise. I'm saying efficient. Okay. I think efficiency. This is a fantasy show. I don't <laughs> care about. I don't watch the games, Zeke. That's going to favor my team, though, if he's efficient. I don't I like watch efficiency. the games. Hey, I'm a field goal free throw percentage team. We're we're just trying to keep our shooting splits solid for the year. That's. We'll see where it takes me. I, I do watch the games, but I haven't gotten around to the Hawks. That's uh, that's on the docket. Um, I don't like the Hawks, but I got to give respect where it's due. It looks like they made a good move, and uh, I'm excited to see what they can do, objectively. All right. Um, I think it's Kevin's turn in the rotation. Kevin, spicy, spicy. Spicy, spicy, spicy. My spicy take, and this is biased, let me be honest. Lowry Markinen will end up as a top 40 player by the end of fan- this fantasy season. Let me get into that. I, as we, as you mentioned earlier, Brian, the West is weak. The West is real weak. And you look at that Jazz roster and you think, huh, it's really not that bad. There's no one, there's no one that's, that's really standing out to you. But you got guys like Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton at the guard position. You have Walker Kessler, you have Kelly Olinick. Those, those are some nice bigs. Walker Kessler was drafted in the first round this year. That's a nice backup defensive big. And Kelly Olenek is a nice complimentary piece in the front court. Um, and you look at that team and you think, huh, they're obviously not going to contend, but they can contend for a play. They're not going to contend for a title, but they can contend for a play-in, play-in spot. They can certainly, you know, they can certainly win about 38 to 41 games this year. I could see that happening. And with Larry Markinson's usage so far being by far the highest on the team and his impressive display of shooting and, and, and scoring and rebound. I'm getting a little excited here. Don't, don't test me, but whew, his, his impressive display of shooting and rebounding. Ooh, he's, what is he averaging? 21 and eight right now with solid defensive stats for what he is. Um, yeah, I think, I think Larry Markinen can sustain about 20 and eight and a few assists and nice defensive stats. Maybe not the greatest rates, but, I think he'll be an elite asset, especially at the small forward position, which is I the mean, weak fantasy. Where did people draft him? Like seventieth, between seventieth and hundred. I think got him in the. I got him in like the eighth round. Yeah, like seventh yeah. to ninth round is probably mm-hmm. where he was going, and that looks like great value right now. Um, can't deny it. I'm gonna temper your expectations on the Jazz playing experiment. Listen. The thing that keeps me optimistic most about Laurie is not actually what he does on the court. It's the fact that he's making money, so they can't just release or trade him. Um, they are going to trade anyone making under $5 million a year. I am put it to the book. Danny Ainge does not want a play-in spot this year. I, I, I agree. The ro- the roster talent's not awful. Um, yeah, that is a good point. Sexton isn't starting. 
it tells you that they're kind of deep. Um, another another guy I drafted. That one I'm not feeling too high. About. No, me neither. Uh, uh, he's, he's close to uh, he's close to the waiver wire for me. Yeah, Con. But you'd think they could maybe try and trade Conley. I know he makes a bit, but he'd be so good on so many contending teams. Lakers. Um, oh, we'll get to them. Uh, <laughs> so, I think that. I think that. Um, also, I said contending teams. Um, the, the thing about the Jazz is that 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 isn't a bad thing for Laurie is what I'm going to say. Like, even if they trade everyone, that might actually be because you said the rates aren't really a thing, anyways. Who cares? Yeah. I'm not drafting him to shoot 50% from the field. No, I'm not going to say, like, oh, they trade X, Y, and Z, and then he adds five points to his scoring average. No, but I think it'll be more consistent night-for-night basis because I still see, like, I can still see scenarios where Laurie has, like, 10-point, 12-point nights yeah. Um, yeah. just because there's a lot of mouths to feed. He isn't yet cemented himself as the alpha, but we're getting there. I'd feel very good if I got him around where you got him, seventh to ninth round. Felt like good value at the time, and it's looking like that now. Yeah, I mean, you drafted him, I think, for the opportunity that he was going to have this year. And right now, I mean, like what you guys were saying, it looks like he's living up to it in every which way. Will he be able to maintain it for the season? We'll see. But, uh, yeah, owners got to be pretty happy about where they drafted him and what they're getting right now. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Zeke. This one's a little spicier, I think. Zach Sorry. Fantasy misconception. Look, he got the he got his deal. He's a happy man, right? Like he got paid. Everything looks good for Zach. And then the knee injury thing is back now. And you know, he missed the first game of the season. And you know, he played played two games already. And like, look, you're still getting the same ish Zach numbers, like 20-ish points a game, but in my opinion, it doesn't feel like his team anymore. I feel like Zach's the second option. I feel like it's DeMar's now. I just don't think that for where you're going to draft Zach, you're probably going to be expecting the points. You're going to be expecting the field goal percentage and the three-point percentage and threes made a game. But I just don't feel like Zach Levine at this point in his career is a guy that you could 100% rely on to play more than 70 games a year. And if I'm thinking the top three guys I'm going to be taking in my draft, I just don't, he's not one of those guys for me anymore. I honestly think that, you know, these injuries have piled up on him over the years. And I just don't think that I, I think his time's come and gone kind of thing to take that superstar-esque step. And I'm not saying he would be a top 10 player in the league, but like to be enough of a star to kind of like take this team into like a deep extended playoff run. I feel like that time's gone. I feel like Zach Levine's already like gone over the hill. I'd love to hear what you guys have. Yeah, yeah just fantasy wise, um, he's a solid. Here's what Zach Levine is. He's not. Yeah, I think you're right. He's not the alpha on the Bulls anymore. At least he's not a clear alpha. He's one of the guy. He's one of the guys. He's one of the one of their stars. But he's not the star. Um, he's a, you know, he's a very good scorer, elite scorer. He's going to give you 22 to 24 points a night. He's not a particularly good rebounder or, or playmaker, but he's not going to really hurt you there either. Um, he'll give you about four in each boards and re- boards and assists this year, I think. Um, fine, fine for defensive stats. Not a great defender in real life, but fine for defensive stats. 
and a high volume, good three point shooter. Um, so what is that? He's, he's really good. He's just, I think you're right. His upside isn't there and he's kind of just a nice fourth, fifth round fantasy scorer, especially when you consider his injuries where he might be resting a lot. If he, he if he rested the first game of the year. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. The fact that I even have to hear about the, the dreaded two words, load management, yeah. this early in the year oh, for a phantom yeah. injury nobody had any idea he had. What's going on there? Yeah. No, like the, the on-court stuff is worth discussing. I think DeMar might have taken over, very valid. But that's what scares me the most, like above everything else. The fact yeah, that I... we've been talking, we have to manage his knee. Where was this in the preseason? How yeah. long did he know about this? No, and it... he just injured it, why is he playing at all? It really does feel like this could potentially be like the storyline of the season for Zach. Yeah. Because like, again, it just kind of came out of nowhere where like these reports all of a sudden come out about like this injured knee. And now I'm like, huh, well, I guess it would have been nice to know that maybe like two, three weeks ago before I'm trying to plan out like my not, draft. It's not bad enough where he has to sit out for an extended time, but it's not good enough where they can play him that often. Yeah. And the Bulls. And nobody knows when it hard. happens. Nobody knows. No, I don't know. They've been saying very little, too, about it's the whole so thing. It's so vague. It's so dumb. I hate it. And it's not even just fantasy-wise. Like, I, it's somebody I enjoy to watch play. And if he's really injured, then sit him. If he's not really injured, then why are you load managing? Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's just kind of the point. With the limited upside and his injury history and this in new injury, um, I think there's no reason to no reason to latch on to Zach Levine right now. And no reason to trade for him, at least. Um, I do want to say, though, he's listed as a small forward and a shooting guard. And those are the two most valuable positions in fantasy, I feel. Um, so there's that, but yeah, he's still not worth it. Not right now. I wouldn't take him. No. Not worth the headache to me. Um, um, tough. I said we'd get to them. I said we would. Did I not? The Lakers are the worst team in California. Um, <laughs> all right. So... Um, so defending champs and clippers, no doubt they're better. So this is really, are the Lakers worse than the Kings? And this is a really fun thought experiment um, I had last night. I was like, hmm. Okay, hear me out. One team has maybe the greatest player of all time and maybe the greatest uh, street clothes player of all time. The other team, oh, and maybe the greatest construction worker of all time. The Kings... <laughs> actually have a basketball team that makes sense that like logically you can understand kind of what they're doing oh we have a really good point guard oh we have a decent offensive completely useless defensively center oh we have shooters now i know what people are going to say oh the kings are on three they suck i'll query you with this the lakers suck too and they also don't make sense and they have big egos all right tell me why i'm wrong Tell me why I'm right. I think you're right. I mean, like, look, you could have talent, right? You have Braun, you have AD. That arguably still right now the Are best. Are you forgetting another future Hall of Famer? Oh, uh, you mean Mr. Trip Dub Machine? Yeah, Brody. I uh, let's not let's just leave his name unsaid for a bit. All right, so I'm, I'm gonna end up defending Westbrook by the end of the year too. It's gonna uh, be an arc. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> but um. Pretty much what I'm trying to say is like, look, when LeBron has been successful, what do you have to put around him? 
shooting. Shooters. He needs to have options around him for when he's going to penetrate towards the basket to kick the ball out, and then there'll be somebody on the three-point line to make the shot. He has none of that. This Lakers team has been one of the worst in three-point shooting and three-pointers made in percentage for the entire season so far. And yes, it's been only a very small sample size, but they might be the worst three-point shooting team in the league for this entire season if they keep the same roster type. And we know some moves are going to come eventually as we progress into it, but I just love what the Kings are doing way more than what the Lakers are doing. It honestly felt like... Ryan and I were talking about this. Like, this year in itself is going to be the LeBron James 20th Anniversary Appreciation Tour. And however the season looks, it's going to come out that way. Who cares? Exactly. Seriously, and that's not a knock on LeBron. Like, if I'm a Lakers fan, oh, great. Like, I can so, celebrate yeah. LeBron's greatness. No, right. the Kings are actually trying to do something. The Lakers clearly have not even put an effort into, like, having some sort of turnaround. Okay, so the Lakers, in every way, should be better. Like, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, it's insane that yeah, you're actually no. right. It's insane it's I, come to this. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'm just thinking. I'm while Zeke was um making his take, I'm thinking like, oh man, they're the worst constructed team in the NBA. They're the most poorly constructed team in the NBA, man. They got LeBron, right? You have LeBron James, and you mess it up. So, okay. Anthony Davis is great. He's great, but he's he's not the best star to compliment LeBron. Like, it's great. I mean, it's hard to say that when they've won a championship together. But at this point in their careers, I mean, they're two individual great talents. But with, as Zeke said, without shooting around them, and this today's NBA, I mean, they're two older, getting aging stars. I, I, I don't I don't see why – I don't see why the rest of the roster is constructed the way it is. I mean – Lonnie Walker was there. Some I don't know what was in their heads, but he was their shooting addition this year, I believe. Like that's who they thought was going to help them shoot. Not not very good. No, not very good at all. Um, <laughs> looking at obviously Russell Westbrook. Uh, I mean, yeah, you have some nice perimeter defending guards, but when you can't score at all because Russell Westbrook is the worst worst piece for this offense. He's the worst piece for this offense, especially when he's not even willing to go to the bench and run the offense from the bench. Right, he's I mean as as a piece next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court. It's I mean, it's a terrible basketball team. It's 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 a lot of talent on the court, but it's just so poorly constructed and so poorly ran that you're right. The Kings are actually a better basketball team right now. They don't have nearly the amount of talent, but nonetheless, they're a better team. I did this all in reverse. This was my mild take. Uh, <laughs> And I will say in defense of the Kings, because I think this is worth noting. So they lost a tough one. They've been in very close games whole season. Lost a two-point game against the Clippers. Lost a five-point game on the road against the Warriors. Yes, they're 0-3, but they put up a better fight, I think, than the Lakers. Um, I, and the team makes sense. Logically, I can understand what they're doing, even if they don't have the pieces talent-wise that the Lakers do. Uh, it's a mess. All right. I, I can't keep talking about this clown show. Who am I kidding? I totally could. But uh, the people need to hear some more hot takes. Oh, I think we're, we're up to Zeke. Zeke, yeah. yeah. 
Pelicans aren't going to be a dark horse this year. Okay. Like they're a legit bona fide contender at this point. I buy it. Okay. I love the big three. I love the addition of CJ coming in. I love to see a healthy Zion who's not going to have crazy volume. I actually love the idea of Brandon Ingram being the number one option for the team. And here's why. I think Brandon expands your offensive game a bit more. I feel like, again, the three-level scoring ability is pretty nice. And, oh, it also helps that you have, like, a all a bona fide bruiser in the paint of Zion who's going to clean up every single missed shot that you take. I love it. And I feel like they have a nice blend of vet experience to go with some of these young talent they have, like Trey Murph, like Trey Murphy, uh, Nolan, uh, Herb Jones. I mean, there's a plethora of young talent that they have who each have their own respective skill sets to the point where I'm like, huh, well, let's look at what you need to have for a championship team. You need to have some sort of solidified star core. They got that. You need to have some sort of depth. Got that. Young guys. Got that. Vet experience. Got that. Good coach. Got that. The only thing that they really have going against them at this point is that the franchise notoriously hasn't been run the best. But like, hey, now it looks to be like maybe they're starting to put something together. If they're healthy and they could get Zion to play about 75 games plus. Yeah, they're going to have pretty good seating, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them make that deep run that a lot of people have been saying for the Pelicans is just non-existent. But, like, this might be the year. Really might be. Where they just kind of, like, blow the roof off their expectations, put something really special together and go for it. Because there's a lot of dudes on their bench also who have all of the intangible tools. Like, they have some really interesting players. And also Dyson Daniels. Sorry, I don't mean to I love it. Bronx's I finest. Head out there. Jose uh, Alvarado. <laughs> a funny Jose Alvarado story, but I'll get to you guys. You got I Kevin. Pelican's thoughts? Um yeah, I mean, I agree. They're a really well constructed roster. And um last year we saw teams like you know the Grizzlies, they they took that step up, and I think this year the Pelicans can be the next Grizzlies. I also want to point out, I think this team really changed and really took a step up uh roster wise when they traded for CJ McCollum. I think that was a great trade for them, and I think we're going to see that this year as he's going to be their top shooting option. My quick Jose Alvarado story. I just sat near his family when the Pelicans blew out the Knicks at MSG and they were like, just as like into it as he was on the court. They were pissing (laughs) off so many Knicks fans. So um, yeah, I can't disagree. The only thing stopping this team is health. I mean, we're already dealing with Zion hip contusion stuff. Uh, Ingram has, is in concussion. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's weird. That's not yeah. fun. Not the fun. good is, um, I don't know if you mentioned Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy's look fantastic. Yeah, I know. It's sick. The depth they've built up, Dyson Daniels, I know you said, um, I love that kid. I don't know if he'll be a big impact guy this year, but they don't really need him to be, barring crazy injuries. And yeah, McCollum is like the captain of the ship. He's the veteran they needed. Um, and he's like a point guard now, which we yeah. all know. He was just that kind of scrawny shooter. Not scrawny, but you know what I mean. Like that lanky shooter in Portland. He's not. He was just doing that because Dame's Dame. Um, he can ball handle. He can grab boards. Uh, he can dish it out. And it's fun to watch. There's no reason to think in a very weak West this can't be a top four seed. Absolutely. So to get into my team take, I have a take on a certain Eastern Conference pretender. 
The Philadelphia 76ers will struggle to make the playoffs this year and might fall even to be a play-in team. I think James Harden and and Tyrese Maxey are one of the best combo um, backcourt combos offensively in the league, and obviously Joel Embiid is a tank in the paint. I just think they're not a very well-constructed roster. I think defensively they're going to struggle. I think offensively they're not very fluent, even though like talent-wise – like James Harden's one of the best. I mean, he's a top two, top three playmaker in the NBA, and he's, he's obviously a great high volume scorer still, even though he's not what he's what he used to be. And Joel Embiid is the best paint scorer in the league as as big. Um, and Tyrese Maxey's fantastic too. I just I don't think they gel gel very well. Tobias Harris has no r- real role, and I think defensively they're going to get tired out quickly. And I think they're going to you know at least in the regular season, I think they'll struggle in a very strong Eastern Conference. I think they're actually a better playoff team, but plan wise, like if they make the playoffs, if they if they get through the plan, but in, in the regular season, I, yeah, I think that in the reg, regu, regular season, they'll struggle, and um, yeah, I just don't think they're very deep. It's very hard for me right now to say that they won't make it, but I see exactly the logic and argument you put together for why they will not. Look, the Sixers have drastically failed to live up to any sort of expectations they had going into the season, right? I mean, they were projected to be, like, what, I think the top team in the East? I mean, on some people's, like, box standings? Yeah. I saw some title hype. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just – I mean, after right last year? No, huh? this year, title hype. No, I know. I got that. I said after last year. Oh, I didn't hear that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess they were banking on the idea of like a full season and James Harden is going to kind of He's look good. Working he has looked good, and they still haven't been playing that well. And they've been bad. Yeah, yeah. that's my concern. Well, yes. That's where I'm at. And to agree with you, Kevin, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, we're, we've seen it. Like, <laughs> we, we see what we're working with here. And like, it looks absolutely terrible. Like, there's no, there's no chemistry on this roster right now. And it's a little scary to think about when you have like a generational like center on your team who you are just completely wasting his talents. And the craziest thing is too, he's 100% invested in this. Like there's like, there is no other place he's looking to do this in. Like he really healthy. Yeah. And he's healthy. (laughs) So it's just like once at this point, like I, I want to wait and see. But I am definitely extremely nervous. Yeah. Yeah, what is Tobias? Um, I, I don't think that should go. He's, he's, he's wasting cap space and the team's potential. Now that's a bus pick I am not going back on. <laughs> uh, I'm doubling down on that. Um, but also, I mean, Joel's looks slow. I know big men kind of struggle to start off the season sometimes. He has not, he's not looked like Joel. Uh, you know, I think they'll get it right. But yeah, if you told me this will be like a six to seven seed, yeah, that's where I'm at. You're not insane. Uh, I will. The only thing, the only caveat I'll say is they're not the only Eastern power that's looked bad right now. I mean, the Heat are one and three, a very low key one and three, but they're one and three. Um, they couldn't even beat the Rap the Raptors without uh, Siakam last night, I believe. Um, unless I'm crazy. And the Nets are. The Nets are one and two as well. Yeah, no, they lost to the Raptors last night. Well, um, I wouldn't consider the Nets a power in the East. I, I wouldn't consider Nets particularly better than the Sixers if we want to go there. I am not sure which one of them is better. I just know they'll both yeah. be entertaining. 
Yes, agreed. More entertaining team, um, Nets or Lakers? Lakers. Yeah, I'd have to go with the Lakers. This and the, the Lakers are crazy because they're so entertaining off the court, and they're like a chore to watch on the court. No, they're horrible. They're the they're worst horrible. team to watch. They're, they're so like, bad. They're like the room of – it's like so bad it's good. Maybe it has to be a higher budget blockbuster that failed. I don't know. They're, they're a joke. Um, anyways, I didn't want to make this into just Laker fashion. Uh, yeah, I think it's very reasonable. I think uh, Sixers, uh, Sixers are in worry. All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for a very fun hour-long edition. A lot of hot takes. Uh, I got to cleanse my palate. Uh, I got to drink some milk. I got to chug some milk after that. Uh, so very fun show. We'll be back sometime next week with more, um, a lot to talk about. We'll have a better understanding of just what the hell is going on in a week's time. Thanks for tuning in. For Kevin and Zeke, I'm Brian. Always a pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrodo.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.